When I look in the mirror, I don't see wrinkles. When I look in the mirror, I see hair on my head, not my shoulder. Hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bowl, the Fountain of Truth, the Fountain of Truth about aging. And there is something that we often do not talk about when we talk about aging, and that is our many, many, many pasts. Our life, well, it begins when we have our first memory, and it usually ends, by the way, I am told, luckily I don't know yet, with that same first memory. Hmm. And today we have a really fascinating discussion with Gay Wally. Now, she is a very important author. You, you ought to just go right ahead and get yourself the whole collection of Venus as she ages, which is really a, a continuum story. But it starts at age five, goes into the late 60s. And there's quite a bit of what I think a gay calls Eros involved in this. Otherwise, why would she call it Venus as she ages? The fact is, though, that she has an important message for us. On two levels, this is a hybrid show, a discussion with a very, very accomplished creative artist about her art and the way she sees her art and her writing, and also a very practical person who has hints and tips and information on how you can fulfill some of that writing itch or if you're just a one-person, one-on-hanger, as we sometimes say in business, how you can sustain yourself. So we're going to have a little bit of a hybrid show, one in the lofty areas of creativity and the other in the practical issues of how we can, in this gig economy, really do well. So I thank you so much, Gay Wally, for being with us today. Well, thank you for having me. And, I, I, you know, I have to ask about Venus as she ages. Obviously... I was caught up by the title because of the mm. kind of book, uh, kind of show I have. Mm -hmm. uh, but for you, I had asked, what is the one question that the one thing you'd like my audience to take away? And I usually make sure that's uh, asked and answered at the end of the show. Mm -hmm. But in your case, let's start with that. What is okay. the one thing that you would like the audience to take away? Well, I think that the Venus as she ages collection, as you very rightly say, it starts very young and it goes into the multiple protagonists uh, being late 60s, their late 60s. And it, it's a journey through all those ages and where there are different um, concerns, different ways of looking at things, but all along there is just, desire for fulfilling yourself, being true to yourself, being living out fully, not being co-opted by other people's views of what you should do or what you think you should be doing but don't want to be doing, and how my characters are constantly fighting for themselves throughout um, the six books. And um, so the books are in a way optimistic that life just keeps on being juicy. And, um, and that's what I hope the readers take from it and, and, and it can identify with all the various different phases along our paths. Well, one of the things, uh, and you have a lot of accolades for this book, Venus as She Ages, uh, was from uh, Janet Lewis, and that particularly struck me. Uh, Gay dares to write for me, for women things we can never say. So a personal question. You have many yeah. protagonists here, but there's certainly a thread. Yes, How many absolutely. of these people are you? How many of these people <laughs> are you? 
Oh, very funny. Well, you know, uh, novelists, I mean, in a certain way, everybody is. You know, I mean, in the fifth book, I have my two favorite writers come back as older women to straighten me out, come yes. back to life. And, um, of course, their words are really my thoughts. So based on their lives in certain ways. So, I mean, a lot of it is my own story, although because they're novels and not memoirs, I embellish, I take some risks, I um, add a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but they're definitely all my feelings. And now, you know, I want to talk about that last, the feelings of that last one, magnetism. By the way, these are a collection of three independent novels. But they Six. can be read together. Six independent novels. They can be, be read together. And Magnetism is the last one. Yes. And uh, it's defined by you as an older woman on a quest mm-hmm. to find her eros and to be desired. Now, mm-hmm. one of the things, the biggest complaint that women have as they go past their 60s is that they become invisible. Mm-hmm. This is really, really uh, a big, big issue of ageism. Mm-hmm. It goes, it's almost an erasure. Mm-hmm. And, it, it, and it's tough. Let me tell you, it's tough. Mm-hmm. So as a friend of mine once said, you know, I'm not afraid to walk past construction workers anymore because they can't see me. <laughs> so, it's, true. it's true. So tell it's true. me about this magnetism and, and what you drew from, let's say, issues of aging or how women are regarded culturally mm-hmm. in, the, in the Western society. With yeah. Magnetism. Yeah. Um, Well, you're exactly right. That's what inspired me to write the book was that it's of a woman who doesn't want to be erased and wants to still be desired and to be desiring and does not want to be sort of left on the shelf. And so my character starts off getting dressed up in a way she might have dressed up younger. And I don't mean by dressing too young, but just not treating herself as unsexy. And she looks very, she goes, she goes, makes herself attractive. And she takes herself on a date by herself to all the things she loves. And um, of course she does meet a man and blah, blah, blah. But um, the, the uh, character, what the character discovers in the book, and there's a, there's even women older than her, a woman older than her in the book who does have magnetism. And so my character is, is on a quest to what is magnetism? How do I stay juicy? How does life stay as exciting as it did when I was young? And how do I still have romantic connection? And so she goes on this journey and she meets some men she's not attracted to and she meets um you know, that isn't going to work. And she um, is inspired by what, by what turns her on. In her case, it's music, it's beauty. She takes a trip to South America. She is, feels that young girl aliveness by being in the beauty of South America. She feels connection with other women, connection with people. And through a friendship and through certain things that happen, she does at the, you know, meet someone that looks like it's going to work with. And, um, but it's really about her availability to life, her saying yes to things and um, taking chances and saying yes and giving into what inspires her. And this provides the juice. Now, you should know that um, when gay rights, it's pretty juicy. So <laughs> <laughs> to begin with. 
And I think that this is one one of it's emblematic of you. I think that there's the people who uh, say that you say what they can't say or never said, like um, like Janet Lewis. I think is also talking about eros. I think they're yes. also talking about the fact that sexuality is still a taboo. People today, they used to say people will tell you all about uh, their sex life, but not about their money. Mm. Well, as you get older, it goes the other way. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> talking about their social security, but they won't tell you a thing about the, about their sex life. Exactly. And, and why? Well, because um, it may have disappeared. And if it hasn't, by the way, it's because you're normal. Uh, today, yeah. part of ageism is to say, well, you, the sex drive gets less and less as you age. That's another piece of baloney and, and myth about aging. It is certainly not necessary. I will complete this segment, though, as we mm. talk about what we're going to talk about next is, is this. One of the things you do need to know, and you can see that throughout the book, is we talk about intergenerationalism. And that usually means friendships of different mm -hmm. ages. But mm -hmm. today, because there are many fewer men than women, mm -hmm. over the, just, just numerically, over the mm -hmm. age of 65 and 75, it can also mean sexual relationships should be intergenerational because where the men are might be 10 or 15 years younger than you. Mm -hmm. And that is one thing that we, we rarely talk about or admit, but it is actually true. When we come back, we're going to talk uh, to Gay Wally, not only about her collection, uh, Venus as she ages, but also about what you can watch right now, this minute, tonight, or right after my show, uh, <laughs> that is streaming, her film that is streaming. And uh, it's one of the the phenomenons that I know of. It is very, very difficult to do what she has done. And that is to get a, a film viewed and also awarded. We'll be back in just a minute. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and we are back with Generation Bold, the Fountain of Truth. A little bit of housekeeping before we get back to our guest, Gay Wally. And we talk about Venus as she ages, of course, the wonderful six novel collection, uh, but also a film that you can watch right now, The Erotic Fire of the Unattainable. We'll talk a lot about that and what it means to you, um, not just from a fictional point of view, but how it might apply to your own life. However, there's something that does apply to your own life, and that is staying healthier longer. It's called health span by some people. It's called healthy longevity by other people. But it's a new way of looking at health, not just aging more and having more years on the planet, but having healthier years on the planet. And our nonprofit organization, the Catalis Institute, just finished off our annual conference. We had 1,000 people virtually on this conference over four days with 70 speakers. I put it all on YouTube. Simply go to kitalys.org, catalys.org. It's always free of charge. We're a nonprofit organization for the delay and prevention of age-related diseases. And take a look 
and you will find some fascinating stuff like Ken Dykewald, uh, America's gerontologist, talking about whether we should live longer. How can we live longer better? What will you do with your extra years if the geroscientists are right and you can live to 120? And you'll meet the geroscientists, the people who are actually doing the laboratory work to make sure that your mitochondria health, your muscle mass, uh, and the way you think and the way you learn stays fresh regardless of your age. So that is catalis.org, YouTube channel. Okay, let us get back now to Gay Wally. Um, so there was something that uh, that excited me very much, the erotic fire of the unattainable, I like every word on this, uh, 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 on your title, is a film now. So tell us a little bit about it, how we can access it, how we could watch it, and what it's about. Sure, thank you. Um, the film is a feature film. Um, you can watch it on Amazon Prime. Um, it's about a woman of a certain age, maybe even a little older than a woman of a certain age. She's, and it, it's three looks at love for that woman. The first one is um, she loves a man more than he loves her. Now, the film is kind of fun-loving. It has a sort of um, uh, Woody Allen kind of, fun-lovingness at the beginning. Well, you're I, I, in New York, that New York vibe. Yeah. So it has a bit of that. I mean, it's not like a heavy film, but it's, so it's a bit, it's fun, but it's also touches on serious things. So she loves a man more than he loves her. Uh, the next section is that the man loves her more than she loves him. And the third one is, it looks like it's pretty good between them, but we find out that there's a problem. And, um, but then another character comes in that there's a possibility, but the point is, it's about a woman who is very independent, very, uh, clever. She is, um, uh, amazingly, she happens to be a writer and she, um, what, what a shock. Yes. And she, a- so you actually see her writing about these affairs, um, a little bit of what she says. So she may not say it to the person, but what she's really thinking. And, um, and um, um, it sort of follows a woman who's independent, who needs love in her life is looking for love, but is not willing to compromise. And so um, it's a sort of a journey through that. And um, it's lively. And um, the three men are kind of interesting characters. One's a Wall Street type, Wall Street finance guy, rather full of himself. The second one is a very sensitive guy, a sort of contractor type. And the third one is a uh, supposedly a famous writer. And um, so um, who picks her up in a bookstore? So the thing is, it's very alive. They're, the men are older too, and they're dealing with their own issues of aging. They they want to be, they want to be feeling attractive and attracted to. So it's there's a lot of that, but but also, you see with the men their own fears and their own. So it's done in a lighthearted way. It's it's witty in part, but it's also about things that really matter. And there's a lot of honesty in the film and it's quite beautifully shot too. And um, so that's the erotic fire of the unattainable. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I, I admit that I haven't seen it. And, but I will also say this on a practical uh, level. So mm. this was a book and it was published first in 2007 
of course, written by Gay Wally herself. It was reissued again in 2015. Mm-hmm. And it was it's a prize winner. It was a finalist in the Paris Book Festival Award. But now it is a film. Now, that's a very big leap. People who are listening who are not in this field may not realize what a leap that is. How did you pull this one off? This is this is a, an inside the industry question for you, Gay. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting. Your question's good. The film... The, the film of the book, The Erotic Fire of the Unattainable, there was one made in 2016 or something. They called it The Unattainable Story. They were frightened of my title. It's oh, actually sure. a lot. Okay, and, they, and, and they had Harry Hamlin in it, et cetera. And it's, it's actually a terrible film. Then this, okay. this, this, this you, heard, you heard it from the author herself, <laughs> right. the screenwriter. Okay. And so then um, the direct. Uh, a director contacted me. He wanted to make a movie with me. And I thought, Oh, great. You know, um, he's going to make one of my other books, but I met with him. He said, no, I want to make a movie with you in it. I said, I'm not an actress. And he said, uh, you're going to play yourself. You're going to play a writer, blah, blah, blah. What do you, I said, well, what do you, he said, what are you writing now? And I was writing this triptych on love, three ways of looking at love. And so, we decided to just make the film and I, I, we took my book and made it into the film. We just used the other title, but what um, he liked the title of the erotic five, the unattainable, but it worked because in some ways I was writing about the same thing that, you know, what you can't have is always a little bit more desirable. And in right. some ways she's a little bit un, um, unavailable because she's so independent and she's, she doesn't need a man, but she wants a man, but she's not going to compromise. And the men are slightly unavailable due to their own emotional issues. So um, the title worked. And how did that happen to me? Um, I, I was very fortunate that this man, this producer, the director, yeah. yeah, contacted me based on my books. He had read uh, the other books and he'd heard apparently from somebody that I like to tell the truth, so to speak, about emotions. And um, so he came to me and actually it's turned out to be a wonderful project. And it's, as you, it's been, you know, it's been uh, in, in major film festivals and now it's, I'll be in Paris next week because it's been translated into French and it's going to be featured there. So that's um, wonderful. So it'll be released in theaters actually then. Well, um, I don't know what's going to happen in France. It hasn't been released in theaters here because there's no famous actors. Um, so, um, it's also COVID. <laughs> a lot yes. of things haven't been released. Yes. But yes. So if you're a hit in Paris, you'll really be like Woody Allen from that case. <laughs> exactly. They love him. So okay. before, before we go over to our, our next segment in a, in a couple of seconds, I did want to say this to everybody. Um, these books, whether it's Venus as she ages, and I suspect the way you are um, describing this, the erotic fire of the unattainable, they're compendiums. There's a continuum here. And I want to talk about how you structure your writing when we come back in a minute. And that is very, very appealing. And I do think that some of this has to do with the fact that about five, six years ago, we got to what we now call in the aging field, Gay, the tipping point, Mm -hmm. where we begin to have older models, uh, you know, beauty models, uh, Mm -hmm. fashion models, where we begin to create products for older people that are just not for patients, but are travel cruises and uh, advanced style fashion and many of the special foods that taste good, not just are, you know, marketed by 
the Metamucil type folks. <laughs> and it's very possible that art too gets involved with these kinds of trends where we have more respect, more interest, living longer, healthier. And so it's the right time. It's the tipping point time for an interesting sexual look through the lens of fiction. And uh, you're in it. You're right yeah. in the middle of this wonderful revolution. When we come back, though, I want to get a little bit more literary and talk about your style, which I okay. find fascinating. Don't you guys go away. All of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. da 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 Hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bold, the fountain of truth, the fountain of truth about aging. So I, this is one of those guests where uh, if I read all of her credentials, we'd be here all day. But I do want you to know some of them. Her name is Gay Wally. Uh, she is a writer-editor for 15 years. She has many published novels. You should know them all. Strings Attached, The Erotic Fire of the Unattainable, we just discussed, is now a streaming. You can um, see this ver- tonight, this very day, on Amazon Prime. Uh, also, of course, we're talking about a compendium of six novels, Venus As She Ages, which is the story of several women, but really all women, let's say, do different through different ages of their life uh, leading up to in their 60s, late 60s, actually, in magnetism. And each of them has a, an erotic, this is not 50 shades of gray, nobody's putting you in a basement with a, with a handcuff. But the fact is that it's a very, yeah, I mean, sometimes subtle, sometimes explicit way of looking at the things we don't say when it comes to sexuality, particularly interesting about in later life. She's also a playwright, Love, Genius, and a Walk, which took place in both London and in New York City, and, and an award winner. But there's something I wanted to ask you, um, two things really. At the mm-hmm. very beginning of Venus as She Ages, you, mm-hmm. you thank the reader. You say, well, if you bought six novels, you made a commitment, right? Mm-hmm. How do you personally, but meanwhile, you wrote six novels. Mm-hmm. How do you personally make that commitment? Did you sit down and say, I'm, I'm going to do six novels? Or did one come after the other and mm-hmm. you almost couldn't help yourself? What What is that process? Yeah, no, I, I did not say I'm going to sit down and write six novels. As you correctly say, they came one after the other. I did not see them as a collection Um, the publisher, IML, in Paris, she saw them as a collection. And she sees them, as she calls it, as a journey of the soul. And um, when when they came out, I reread them. And yes, they are a journey of the soul. And um, so my process was just, I'm always writing. And um, these came out over the years. I wrote these over the years. Some of them, the Book two, three, four, I never really, um, I had sort of not tried to publish. And during COVID, 
she asked me, send me anything you have that you haven't published. I had no idea she was going to put this collection out. And um, so I said, okay. And then she said, these have got to be published, Gay. So um, that's what happened. So you were not writing on the continuum, uh, but it happened. This is, this is, by the way, not unusual for any kind of artist where right. they, I remember my literary classes, they would say, do, does the artist really even know what they're doing? <laughs> do they even know how great what they're doing is? If anybody told them, would they say, who is that you're talking about? Mm-hmm. So this, this does happen, but you're also a very practical um, teacher mm-hmm. of writing. Mm-hmm. You, you help, you guide people to get to their first novels. You help them with, you ghostwrite. They're very practical working writer. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, how to write your first novel is one of yours. How to save mm-hmm. your one person business from extinction is one of yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, a smart guide to business writing. So that means you also are a business writer. You're a nonfiction mm-hmm. writer. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about that for a moment because I am too. I've got about mm-hmm. 18 books, 14 books or so wow. published. They're all, all nonfiction. Don't get too mm-hmm. excited. Mm-hmm. They're, all, they're yeah. all nonfiction. When I went to write a novel, you could throw it out. So uh, it's terrible. Uh, the fact is I couldn't make that switch. I'm fascinated mm. by somebody who can do both. Is it two different headspaces that you're in? How do you do that? Um, uh, absolutely. They're completely different headspaces. Um, I think my so-called business writing, um, I made a living in my, you know, most novelists can't really live off their novels, sure. especially, especially when you're young. So I made a living as a copywriter at New York ad agencies in my young years. And um, I think that trained me to write about anything. And, um, but that's a very different kind of writing than a novel. A novel is your imagination. It's a narrative. It's like writing about the ocean. You're flowing, things flow, things grow, things, characters, you got to be really interested in characters and dialogue. And there's many, many aspects to it. Uh, Nonfiction is a, is, I have a great admiration for nonfiction. I mean, it's drilling down into a subject. It's keeping the reader interested. Uh, it's also having a flair with language. So, um, so I enjoy teaching both. I teach memoir and um, fiction. Um, my how-to books, which you're referring to, just come out of my experience. And the how to write a first novel came out of my teaching experience. The one-person business is kind of, I think I was trying to, you know, I was almost talking to myself how to keep myself right. going. And so I, I wrote that they, they're really ch- chat books. I think they're only about 60 pages long. And um, so, uh, yes, I am practical. Uh, I actually enjoy working and I enjoy working with people and I enjoy working with um, um, other projects and my own novels. And then ghostwriting is a whole other thing. That's, as you know, somebody is telling their story to you. Yes. I, I'm currently writing a novel for someone. She, she comes up with an idea and then I sort of refine it. Um, and I'm writing a memoir for someone about their business experience. So, uh, but I enjoy all these because there's a little bit of, you're using fictional tools of keeping a story interesting and moving and characters and dialogue and getting to the point and making people feel something. Um, but I also enjoy 
learning about people's lives, other, you know, it's fascinating, you know. Uh, yeah. So I do want everybody to know where to find you. We do have a wonderful new gift. And that is people over the age of 65 who are retired are realizing their creativity that mm. they never had time for. They had it, but they never had time for it. We also know that there's some things in the brain, that neurological pathways, that actually increase and make you more creative as you age. It's a sad thing to say, but some of the most creative people in the world are in hospice right now. If you would see their paintings, their writings, their poems, their poetry. People say, where were you all these years? And they said they couldn't do it before. Mm. This happened to them. So we have a lot of people who feel they have a lot of time left, and they do want to do this kind of thing and, and, and increase their creative output. Uh, there's even a National Association of Creative Aging with some mm. funding from the federal government. So I would like everybody to know where to f- find your books for sure, but that's Amazon and that's you know Barnes and & Noble and, and so on. But where do they find you if they're interested in oh, thinking about this type sure. of writing? Yeah, Tell sure. Um, yeah, that, thank you for asking. Um, well, if you're interested in me guiding you to write your own work, which is a terrific experience. And, and I completely agree with Adrian that, you know, as you get older, there's, there's a lot to say and a lot to process. Um, uh, that I have a site for that, which is www.nycwritingcoach.com, writingcoach.com. And then for ghosting, if you want someone to write the story for you, and then I help you, I try to help you get it published, and I try to make it of a publishable quality, is um, uh, it's called www.yourstoryonpaper.com. And so those are the sites from which I do um, uh, helping other people. Uh, the the chapbooks that you mentioned um, – uh, how to write your first novel are on book are on bookboon.com. Uh, they're eBooks really, I think. And, um, uh, and how to save your one person business from extinction uh, is on bookboon also. So you can see that gay Wally is, a, is a double, triple, maybe quadruple threat, uh, a very, very well published novelist, uh, a filmmaker as well. And somebody who can get you from a practical point of view into the world of writing, whether it's just for your pleasure, because the time has come to write your memoir and it's, you want to give it to the kids so that they actually know who you are, or you're quite serious about publishing. So this is, this is a terrific uh, resource right here, Gay Wally. We'll be back in just a minute, and I'm going to ask a question without telling her or you anything about it. It's called a teaser, folks. We'll be right back. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg. One last bit of housekeeping. I do want you to know that we plan all year, believe it or not, we're planning a, a live event in October of 2022 in Washington, D.C., which is going to be an event 
again, over two or three days that is going to be dealing with all of the new uh, research. It's called geroprotective. If you haven't used the word geroprotective, start using it. It means it protects that part of your biology that causes chronic diseases of aging. Not stopping you from age, it's not anti-aging. It is changing the way we look at aging in the future as being a viable, vibrant, contributory up to the normal human lifespan, which is about 117, 120. I know it sounds like science fiction, but it's not going to sound like science fiction in a few years. Mm -hmm. There is science fiction called transhumanism. That's a whole other sci-fi story, and we will certainly cover that in one of our shows, but this is not about that. This is about getting through your 70s, your 80s, your 90s to 100, and maybe a little bit more. Really healthy. Uh, We know about COVID. People who died of COVID, it was not just because of their age. It was because of what they called comorbidities. The other things that were going on, their immune system failures and so on. This is what we want to stop. So please do go to catalyst.org and start to follow us on uh, Facebook and on Twitter and particularly on LinkedIn. You don't have to be a geroscientist to understand geroscience. That's our motto. Now, let us take a look again uh, at, 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 let's say, the social side of all of this with Gay Wally, because I don't even know, I, I doubt, that she sees herself as a writer that's particularly mired in issues of aging, but she is, whether she <laughs> sees herself like that or not. Uh, Venus as She Ages is the latest collection of six novels following a variety of women, but really a continuum on the light, what we call the life continuum with regard to self-respect, regard to independence, freedom, regard to sexuality, and very fascinating. But these books, and this is what I wanted to ask you, these books, and I, I haven't read all your books, but I could see from the Venus as she ages, they're written in a very particular style. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're very, um, let us say, economical mm-hmm. in words, and yet... Mm-hmm. You can smell it. It's almost that Proustian moment where you can taste the Madeleine. I could smell the ocean that you t- when you talk about it. I could feel the ache of a five- or six-year-old girl uh, with parent problems and abandonment issues. And there are not a lot of words used for this. And sometimes you switch what a novelist you learn about point of view. Mm-hmm. First, it's the first-person point of view, and then it's this omniscient narrative point of view. And yet it works. I'm fascinated by this as a style. And I didn't want you to know I was going to ask this question because I didn't want you to overthink it. How does it happen? I want to know how it happens. I'm talking the creative process. These are great questions. Um, uh, Each novel in the collection of six has a slightly, not slightly, has different styles. And I believe that the style of a novel comes out of the subject of a novel. So uh, you're speaking about the first one where uh, the girl is in, uh, there's a first person of the girl grown up and the third person of the telling about the girl being young and as if the camera's watching her. Um, You're right. I have an economical style. And in fact, all of these novels are fairly short. Um, uh, I I am 
in a way, a modernist in that I don't believe, you know, like the old sort of 20th century, 19th century novels, you know, they describe the curtains and the, the dishware right. and all of that. I don't believe in that. I believe in staying close to the emotions. And if you stay close to the emotions and you see the ocean from an emotional point of view, you'll come up with the right words and you don't need a lot of them. You know, it just has to be, as the French say, le mot juste, uh, you know, the right yes. words. And so... um that I think that is my style, and I, I'm, I'm thrilled you asked about that because I think that I may write about subjects that are not often written about, but I also write in style, in a style that is my own. And the other thing about my style, I think, is it's intimate. Uh, as you progress in the novels, it almost feels like I'm talking to you. It's a very intimate right. voice, and um, I believe in that. I believe in the power of that and the power of because I'm connecting to the reader's emotions and I'm trying to involve the reader in the story. So um, I don't like too many words. I, I like the right words and I try to be surprising in language. It's not that it's hopefully dull language, but it's still, um, I, I'm just not a believer in um, a lot of uh, extraneous scenes for no reason. That just the writer and likes it, writing. It it does work. I'll tell you that uh, it's not a comfortable read mm. because it's so close to the bone of emotions. Mm -hmm. You're going to get involved with it. And and so here's my my last question to you. I felt a personal ache, mm -hmm. uh, partially, particularly in the first book, because I lost my own father, and he wasn't a drinking addict. He, mm. he wasn't alcoholic. He was a food addict, mm. but he was an addict. Mm. And and it came out. It came out in a very, very, very early death. Mm. So everybody's going to bring something from their background, even if they had the purest, lovely, leave it to beaver background in childhood. That's going to create an ache. Mm -hmm. How about you? How, how do you do that? I mean, you, you hear from actors that have played difficult roles that they, they got sick for three months. They had to go rehabilitate themselves. It was so devastating for them to play, to play this role. You ever feel that way as you're writing uh, some of these things? Oh, you know, affects you. Well, you know, Hemingway famously said, if the author doesn't cry when he's writing, the reader won't cry. If the author doesn't laugh when he's writing, the reader won't laugh. In a certain way, you do have to feel the feelings for the reader to feel the feelings. And, um, uh, yes. I mean, maybe it's why I'm economical as a writer. I don't want to spend 60 pages discussing something terrible, you know, so I move on. Um, but, um, I mean, I, there is a, there is, um, something healing in actually writing about something that matters, something that is deep in you. There's something beautiful about it too, even if it was painful. As an example, I mean, I, I'm assuming this for your father too. This girl really loved her father. She didn't have a mother oh, and, sure. and she really loved him. So there's a kind of beauty to that love. It's, it's, it's a mixed bag because uh, he's not exactly the normal father, but um there's a poetry to the love. And I think in each of the books, there's a yearning for love and there is a love for somebody in it. And, um, and that love carries each book. So I think that's, that's wonderful uh, to hear directly 
from the author. He gives us a lot of insight. And before we leave you, I know that you did want to mention something that I think is important. It's about the film, because I think we're all going to go watch the film. Let's remember that it is the erotic fire of the unattainable. And it's very easy to find because it's on Amazon Prime. And it does follow a, a, an, an older crowd, let's say. But you mm. wanted to mention something specifically about how old that crowd is and their lifestyle attitude. Yeah, I I forgot to mention, but I, based on what Adrian's talking about, I think it's relevant, is that they are in their 60s, 70s, and even one is approaching 80, but they're all of them still working, and they're all still very engaged in life. This isn't sort of set on a golf course. This is really um, people that are still very engaged. One is, well, I, I did mention one's on Wall Street and et cetera. So they, um, they're all... Um, vibrant and um, dealing with aging, but there's a lot of vibrancy. And I think that, and a lot of attractiveness there, you know, they, you know, we all look older, but there's a lot of, you know, sexiness still going on. And I think that's important. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that is this tipping point that I keep talking about. Mm -hmm. I think we're seeing it from, from fashion, from consumerism, from art, uh, from people who are creating art are getting mm-hmm. older and older. Uh, there's a wonderful gallery in New York City on 10th Street, uh, t- on 10th Avenue, that is really assisted living and senior center art where people are selling for five, six, seven thousand $7,000 paintings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we're talking about artists that, uh, that, that are becoming meaningful. But you are certainly a very, very meaningful artist. And I thank you, Gay Wally, for being thank with you. us today. Everybody watch the film. Order the book, which is very, very easy. Venus as she ages. And for everybody else, COVID is lifting in many places. Get out there, kids, and make it happen. I mean, a pro-